strikes beget strikes. What that means is when workers see other workers going on strike, it gives them hope to try to fight for their own wage increases and to better their own working conditions. Welcome to the Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast for MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm James Rogers, a financial columnist at MarketWatch. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. Stephanie, have you heard of Hot Labor Summer? No, what is that? Well, the best introduction may be a review of some recent news clips. It's being called the hot labor summer. From Hollywood to hotels, workers have been walking off the job. It's going to be a hot labor summer. And as history has shown, times of booming union popularity are when all of us can make real change for workers. So how will all of these job actions affect all of you? Today, we're diving into the story. From teachers and other school staff to grad student workers, healthcare workers, fast food and hospitality workers, there have just been lots of recent strikes or worker actions. We of course know that Hollywood writers and actors are also on strike. Pilots for different airlines have either threatened to strike or are poised to strike if needed. The worker discontent cuts across industries and sectors and income levels. That's Levi Sumagaisai. I'm a senior reporter at MarketWatch, where I cover workers, the gig economy, inequality, and corporate accountability. Early this summer, Levy wrote about why the current surge in strikes has been decades in the making, exploring the issue from employees' perspectives. That's mostly what we'll be unpacking today, why workers are striking, why now, and what the future of labor organizing might look like. A quick recap of some of the latest worker actions. In Hollywood, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild are on strike, bringing the industry to a halt. It is the industry's biggest shutdown for more than 60 years, and it affects the vast majority of American film and television productions. Elsewhere in Los Angeles, thousands of unionized hotel workers have been on strike since July. More hotel workers have walked off their jobs. Happened after a new proposal by the hotel industry gave no increase in pay. A large group of UPS workers represented by the Teamsters Union could have initiated a work stoppage at the beginning of August, but they reached a tentative agreement just before the deadline. The union ratified the deal on August 22nd. What could have been the costliest strike in U.S. history has been averted. The union representing UPS drivers has ratified a five-year deal with the company. And that's not all. Next up, the United Auto Workers contracts are set to expire in September, which could see nearly 150,000 workers striking in Detroit against the so-called Big Three, Ford, Stellantis and General Motors. Clock is winding down on the United Auto Workers national contract with the big three. The next step would be a strike off. Levy says that while this latest wave of worker actions has led to the branding of 2023 as hot labor summer, the recent push actually goes back further. So the pandemic, as we know, it shined an even brighter light on inequality. 
And that included working conditions at places like Amazon and Starbucks. If we look at Amazon, especially warehouse workers had to work through the pandemic and sort of risk their health while many people were working from and ordering goods from the comfort of their own homes, sometimes at unprecedented levels, right? Like a lot of people were using online retail and not leaving their homes for a little bit. So last spring, I wrote about the organizing push at those two major companies, Amazon and Starbucks. At the time, a spokeswoman for Amazon said, our employees have the choice of whether or not to join a union. They always have. As a company, we don't think unions are the best answer for our employees. Our focus remains on working directly with our team to continue making Amazon a great place to work. A representative for Starbucks said the company respected workers' rights to organize, but remained clear in our belief that we are better together as partners without a union between us. Despite pushback, Levy says some felt the unionization efforts at these companies represented a turning point. Labor experts told me then that they saw it as a significant moment and that they expected those efforts to kick off a wave of labor actions. And we're seeing now that they were right. Levy says 23 major work stoppages began last year. That's compared with the annual average of 16 work actions over the previous 20 years, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Union membership was also on the rise last year, up almost 2%. Unions and their efforts have made more headlines in recent years, after decades of diminishing power and declining membership. Levy says that decline started back in the 70s, as profits began to shrink and companies risked stagnation in their stock market valuations and longer-term business prospects. American companies had to deal more with manufacturing pressures and the effects of globalization, really. So their profits began to shrink and they started to look for ways to cut costs. And as we know, labor costs are usually the biggest costs for most companies. So companies use the nation's somewhat weaker labor laws to their advantage. They started employing anti-union consultants, Levy says anti-union consultants typically help companies with messaging, both internal and external. Internally, that means trying to talk workers out of organizing. Externally, that means using media to highlight ways the company is benefiting their employees. But recently, union membership has begun to rise again. As we mentioned earlier, it was up 2% last year, but that increase isn't so straightforward. So there are gains in union membership lately, as in the number of people joining unions has increased lately. But because so many more jobs have been created, the rate of union membership is actually at a record low 10.1%. Still, because of, you know, those numerical gains, there's some optimism about all the organizing that's going on and how that could help boost union membership. That boost in union membership has helped to make strikes more visible as they've become more prominent in the last few years. The specifics of the worker actions have differed in size and scope. The work stoppages, they have ranged from sort of longer term strikes to one day work stoppages to, 
you know, in the case of hotel workers in LA, for example, there are tens of thousands of them. But what's happening is the union there is having certain workers at different places in LA strike for a few days at a time, and then they'll go back to work. I remember in the past year, I went to San Francisco International Airport where, you know, at the same time that airport concession workers were striking, there was a one-day protest by flight attendants who wanted to call attention to their working conditions. So all kinds of different things happening. There's one big thing the strikes have in common, though. As I've talked with different labor experts and economists about this, one thing kept coming up. The big thing most of these workers have in common is that they realize more than ever the effects of inequality. Their purchasing power has declined in the midst of inflation. They see their employers continuing to make a profit though. And in some cases, some of those companies are making record profit. They see the companies they work for paying their top executives tens of millions of dollars or sharing their wealth with company shareholders, while workers' own wages have stagnated. And in some cases, their benefits are even worse. And so, you know, what experts and academics are saying is that these workers are sick of it. While work stoppages aren't as common in the United States, Levy says, they're more prevalent in other parts of the world. You know, the very first time I went to France, there was a one-week strike, and I was only in France for one week. That was a long time ago. It was like 20 years ago. I think, especially in places like France, strikes w were pretty normal. I remember people saying, oh, it's just another day in France, you know? In the U.S., we haven't seen it as much. I think that especially in the past few decades, we haven't seen as much worker discontent as we're seeing now in the past couple of years. And I think a lot of that has to do with what the pandemic has brought. What the experts that I've been talking to have been talking about is that in the U.S., the safety net is not as strong. You know, it's weaker in the U.S. than it is other places, like in Europe, where there are things that help people when they fall on hard times. That the safety net is not as strong here in the U.S. Levy says economists point to stagnant wages as an important factor behind increased unionization in the United States. Wages haven't kept up with the cost of living. Over the past 50 years, average real hourly earnings or hourly wages adjusted for inflation went from $28.36 to $29.50. That's according to data from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. One economist from Georgetown told me that the pandemic made all of that worse, right? The supply chain bottlenecks that we saw during the pandemic, they caused companies to raise their prices. And that economist told me that when prices go up, they don't usually come back down. And in that case, she said, the only way to deal with that is to raise wages, which is what this so-called hot labor summer is trying to achieve. Coming up, do strikes beget strikes? And how does public support for unions factor into their efforts? That's after the break. 
This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the best new ideas in money. Before the break, Market Watch reporter Levi Sumagaisai walked us through the recent history of worker actions in the United States. In her reporting, unpacking the summer in labor organizing, Levy says one quote has stayed with her. One academic I spoke with, University of Rhode Island professor Eric Blumis, who's a historian and has written books about labor, he told me that strikes beget strikes. What that means is when workers see other workers going on strike, it gives them courage. It gives them hope to try to fight for their own wage increases and to better their own working conditions. And the other labor experts I spoke with pretty much said the same thing. You know, it's strength in numbers and all that. And that strength in numbers could go beyond just the workers themselves. I do know that public support for unions is at a 56-year high. So that's interesting, and I think could help tilt things in workers' favor. I don't know about the support for strikes, but what I am seeing as I continue to follow what's going on in Los Angeles with a bunch of hospitality workers who are on strike, what I'm seeing is some pushback there from people who are saying, they support the strikers, but they don't support, you know, the noise that they're making or the fact that they're starting to picket at 7 a.m. and apparently waking people up. And so I think that's an interesting thing there, which is that they ask about public support for unions in general. But when it comes right down to it, when people are actually striking, then it appears that some people support the action, but want it to be, you know, as convenient as possible for them. As I sort of start to look forward about where all this might be going, I think, you know, the recent deal between UPS and the Teamsters, which averted what could have been a devastating strike, that could help other workers and unions feel like they have the power to force real changes at their companies, their organizations. It'll be interesting to see what happens 
with auto workers whose union contracts expire in September, public sentiment will help. I think part of the reason when I was covering the UPS potential strike, part of the reason that some of the workers felt powerful, they felt optimistic about what was going to happen, is that they were hearing that people were on their side. Levy says support has also come in the form of different unions supporting each other. We're seeing that in Los Angeles, where striking Hollywood writers are marching in solidarity with striking hotel workers. And I mentioned earlier, I saw in San Francisco last year rallying flight attendants who were staging a one-day protest to call attention to their working conditions. They marched with striking airport concession workers. So I think the solidarity is key. On the other hand, we're also seeing other big corporations continue to use anti-union consultants and employing delaying tactics. The big UPS agreement came because the Teamsters are powerful. They're an established union, right? So I think some fights and efforts to form unions are probably going to continue to be tough and they're going to last for a while. Levy notes that many of the companies and industries where workers are now striking are under pressure. From transportation and shipping to the entertainment industry, demand has slowed since the pandemic and companies are still figuring out what the future looks like. That brings us to one big question at the center of hot labor summer that doesn't have a definitive answer yet. As workers negotiate with their employers, who has the upper hand in this moment? That's a really good question. I think it is definitely a gray area. The big UPS agreement came because the Teamsters are so powerful and established, right? But on the other hand, at companies, especially at really big companies where workers are trying to form unions, they are being stifled. They are being hindered by delaying tactics. They are being hindered by the fact that some of these companies are making more money than ever and can afford to wait, can afford to hire anti-union consultants. The companies are under pressure from their shareholders to continue to make record profits and have big margins. And so they're always going to be trying to keep labor costs down. Do I see one side having an advantage over the other? When you think about just how much money these companies have, I feel like they have the upper hand. On the other hand, what we're seeing is that workers are becoming increasingly emboldened to speak up. The pandemic, I think, brought a lot to bear. You know, people are thinking about what they're doing with their lives, whether they're being treated fairly, whether they can afford to feed their families and have an okay standard of living. And they're seeing some workers win, you know, they're seeing some victories. And so they're going to continue to try. And I think that when you look at it, when you think about it, the strength in numbers thing, it really does work. And that's probably where we're at. It's numbers in terms of big profits by the companies, 
versus numbers in terms of there are more workers and a lot of them are sick of inequality. Thanks for listening to the best new ideas in money. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Levi Sumagaisai. To learn more about new ideas in labor, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton. And I'm James Rogers. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast from MarketWatch. The producers are Meta Lutzhoft and Katie Ferguson, who also mixed this episode. Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer. Tim Roston was our newsroom editor on this episode. The Best New Ideas in Money theme was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.